be seated. And turn now in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, where we're continuing our study of it, of the preaching of Peter, more specifically, in Acts chapter 2, 37 through 40. Acts chapter 2, 37 through 40. Hear the word of the Lord. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Let us pray. Father, we ask for your blessing upon your word, that your word would be enlightened to our eyes, to the eyes of our heart, that your word would become true in our hearts with an understanding that is only received by the work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The word is true anyway. Let God be true and every man a liar. But what I mean is that it becomes a reality and thus becomes true to us individually, personally. And so I read you uh, the passage under consideration. And let me say, by way of preface, that this is part of the preaching of Peter at Pentecost. And we've been looking at that now for at least a couple, if not more, Sundays. And here in this passage, we're considering now the application, as we would call it. Unlike some who teach that application should not be just at the end, but throughout, I believe that too. But there's also such a thing as the call to repentance that, that follows the preaching of the gospel. And that is important, especially if there are any that are not yet saved that are hearing God's word. Now, there are three things that we will be looking at this morning in the call to repentance in Peter's sermon. And the first is the conviction of sin. And the second is the call to repentance from sin. And then there's the third, a covenant promise fulfilled. Covenant promise fulfilled. And this is all in the text, Lord willing. The text will be borne out through the preached word. Again, reading verse 37, the conviction of sin. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It says they were pricked in their heart. They were cut in their heart. Their hearts were pierced. Have you ever had that feeling before, like this feeling of overwhelming sadness or sorrow or dismay or guilt when 
God has spoken to you and has convicted you of your sin. And it's sudden, sometimes unexpected. It can be an intense spiritual experience, maybe with tears, but sometimes without. These who were listening to Peter were stunned when Peter said earlier how that Jesus was crucified by wicked hands and then for him to apply it to them saying these are your hands that did this you did this and you are guilty and the evidence of their being guilty was and they're being pricked in their hearts. They see now, as it were, the blood on their hands. They are the ones who were accomplice to the murder of their very Messiah. You know that you're a convict, and not just the Sanhedrin who orchestrated this, not just Pontius Pilate who authorized this, not just Caesar, not just the Roman soldiers who carried it out, but you, the fellow Jews of Jesus, who did nothing but good to you, who did nothing but preach to you the kingdom and how to enter therein, who went around doing good to everyone, healing, restoring, reconciling, saving, raising people from little physical death and moreover from spiritual death to spiritual life. But it was the Jews, these very Jews in this audience who cried out along with the rest, crucify him, crucify him. They would rather have an outright condemned criminal, Christ was condemned too of course, but one who is an outright condemned criminal whom everybody witnessed doing things that he should be executed for, released and let go, than the Holy One of God. Are you pricked in your hearts at your sins, especially you who are a believer in Christ when, when you would happen to sin? Have you so soon forgotten what Jesus did? As Peter would put it elsewhere, uh, have you so soon forgotten the one who bought you from your sins? For it was your sins, your sins and mine that nailed Jesus on that cross. There's an old song that I used to sing, but I'll modify it a little bit. I won't sing it, but I'll, I'll read it. Come to the waters, stand by my side, I know you are thirsty. You won't be denied. I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried. And I strove to remind you that for your sins I died. Is that you? Have you ever been brought to that place of asking God, what shall I do? You know where that place is that you must be brought to if this is to happen. If this is to happen, that you, like these Jews, 
who were hearing the gospel from one of her own, Peter. And that is where, at the foot of the cross. The call of repentance, verse 38 of Acts 2. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. Peter calls <coughs> sinners to repent. Again, the Jews there at Jerusalem, or in Jerusalem at Pentecost, turned from sin to God. He used the words of Paul, another apostle of the Lord, in 1 Thessalonians 1.9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Notice how you turned to God from idols. That's what repentance is all about. It's your turning to God from idols. It's not just fear of what you'll get in the end, hell which we will get if we are without Christ because our sins are against a holy God. And what can a holy God but do than to condemn us to hell? But that is a place of perfect holiness. And without holiness and peace, no man shall see the Lord, the Bible says. So it's not just a fear, the consequence of divine judgment and that against our sins, it's something deeper because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Calvin called our hearts an idol-making factory and how true that is. And so it is the evil of sin that must be forsaken. It's not just the sin itself, but it is the desire to sin that must be repented of as well. The lust. Because the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of God is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abideth forever. It is the evil of sin that must be forsaken and the person and work of Christ embraced This is what was happening in the hearts of those that were hearing this gospel at Pentecost in Jerusalem. But is this you now? That's fine for them. Those that did come to Christ, those that did repent of their sins and come to the Savior, are in glory. But will you be? Second point, as Peter calls the Jews to repent, so did our Lord himself do so. For the Lord knows us all too well. Before we can take responsibility for our own actions, we so easily blame others for theirs, such as in Luke 13, 1 through 5. In Luke 13, 1 through 5. And I know I, I won't heal, I won't always hear the ruffling of, of the pages of your Bible, by the way. I've, I've been... Uh, uh, further updated on the fact that maybe some of you do look it up in, in another way than, than with your Bible. So I don't feel so bad. 
but just make sure that you silence it, okay? <laughs> In uh, Luke 13, 1 through 5, what do we read here about our Lord preaching repentance? I'll read it. There were present at that season some of that told him of the Galileans. That's what our Lord was, a Galilean, by the way. Whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans? Like somehow they were worse than the rest of them? Because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And he goes on. Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell. There were 18 that encountered some disaster when a tower fell and killed 18 of them. And that happened? Oh, yes. It happens all the time. And slew them. Think that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? Like somehow they were singled out by God? What did our Lord say? I tell you nay. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Notice that. We are all sinners inclusive, meaning no exception. And so as Peter called the Jews to repent, and as our Lord Jesus called unbelieving Jews to repent, in his earthly ministry, so I call you to repent. I'm not the Lord Jesus. I'm not even an apostle Peter. But nevertheless, it is incumbent on me to warn you of the wrath to come. It is incumbent of, on me to call you to repentance, to do works meet for repentance, for if I do not do that, I have failed in my responsibility. And if you end up in hell because of me, you will remember me in hell. And I don't want your blood upon my head. So I call you to repent. Now, what is it? I've talked about it. I've talked about examples of it and, and of our Lord. And of course, of Peter calling men to repentance. Well, repentance, I like this, this definition because it really says it all. And, it, and I didn't come up with this, by the way. A lot of what I have is borrowed. <laughs> I just move it around in such a way that hopefully it comes out and makes sense to you, okay? So repentance is a change of mind with a view to changing your life. How about that? First of all, it is a change of mind. The word in the Greek, in the Greek, mind you, is change of mind. Not just change of heart, but it starts up here with our changing how we think. Because God is an intelligent person. He is desiring that those whom he made in his image who are likewise given intelligentsia to use their minds. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's reasoning, right? That's hopefully for us to come to our senses as to what we are doing with our lives, how we are serving ourselves and not the living God. 
We have made idols of our lives, of our comfort zone. And God sees that. And do you think he's pleased? Do you think he's honored? Do you think he's glorified? He is not. I'm not telling you this because I've arrived somehow. I'm far from having arrived. But so are you. We're in this together. But we need to move forward. We need to move to the next level. We need to do this for our soul's sake. We need to do this for the kingdom of God's sake. We need to do this for our Savior's sake, whose honor and glory is at stake. And if we do this, if we do this on this level, and if others begin to do this also on this level, because this is where it starts in the day of small things. These are small things we're talking about, but if we're not faithful with the small things, how can we be faithful over many how can we have the commendation of God in that last day? Well, I've done good and faithful servant because you've been faithful over the small things. I'm going to give you greater things or more things. Repentance, a change of mind with a view to changing your life. Peter says in another succeeding sermon, the following in Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord. Does that sound good or positive? Yes. That's why some say that it is the joy of repentance. We think, oh, repentance, that's like, ah, you know, we're beating ourselves up and we're flagellating ourselves and pulling our hairs out, hair out and throwing dust on us and no, it's not. It's not that at all. If, it, if you think it's that, you're, you're, you're deceived. Repentance is a change of mind. It's saying, Lord, amen. Amen to your word. Amen to your gospel. Amen to you, Lord. That's what repentance is really all about. By being converted from loving yourself to loving Christ. He will blot out your sins by his blood. He will put them away from himself and from you as far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us, the word of God promises. And he will cover you with his perfect righteousness. He who was made sin for us who knew no sin, we will be made the righteousness of God in him. Can you imagine that? We are looked upon like we are Jesus. Only it's God looking at us through his son. And I tell you, we are embraced, we are loved, we are received, we are accepted as much as his son. And we will be taken to heaven as surely as he is in heaven now. Our flesh is in heaven that was pierced for our sins at the right hand of the Father. And do you think that he's not reminded every day up there in glory? Oh, yes. And you think that his being refreshed day by day, and then his hearing his children crying day by day, though he bears long with them, that he is not going to hear us, and he's not going to provide for us, who did not spare his only begotten son for us, spare from doing other things, doing greater things, even using us to spread the word, even using us 
to be a blessing to others so that others too can come to know the joy of believing and repenting and receiving Christ. And you will experience times of refreshing such as you've never experienced before. And it will all be because of the presence of the Lord. How does it work? There's another scripture as to how repentance works. And I'll have you turn to 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. So 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. The Apostle Paul speaking here. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. <coughs> He's not rejoicing that, ah, you know, these guys are all down in their, on their faces, you know, uh, uh, writhing in, in spiritual pain, as it were, you know. No, that's not why he, he uh, was uh, rejoicing. He was rejoicing that they sorrowed unto repentance sorrow after a godly sort or a godly manner for you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing and then he explains it more fully for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of godly sorrow meaning sorrow that God produces that's why it's called godly sorrow and it's godly it's christ-like it's biblical it's the kind of sorrow that god smiles at that god approves at, that god rejoices in in our lives is that your kind of sorrow and is that your kind of repentance that's what we each need to ask ourselves every day because we sin every day and so we need to repent every day it's like when we go out and we our feet get buried, you know, and then we come into the house. If if you're a if you're a keen observant mother, you are not going to let those shoes come in with them. Uh, at least in our culture, we you know leave our shoes at the door. You see, you can tell it's an Oriental. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Sorry everybody. Okay, Asian. <laughs> when you see all these these shoes and what they call chinelas, which are slippers, you know. That's another word for thongs, okay? We call them slippers. I remember as a kid, my, my mom would tell me, put on your slippers, and then when you come in the house, take off your slippers. Yes, mom. <laughs> we do the same thing in the kingdom of God. We need to take, we need to take the, the, the dust off of our shoes. We need to have uh, our feet washed. That's why feet washing was, was so important in those times and need to be practiced again in terms of repentance. Repentance. Godly sore unto repentance and that unto salvation, not to be repented of. Because the converse, the opposite, is unthinkable. The sorrow of the world worketh. So if it's a sorrow that is only like, oh, I got caught. Or a sorrow that, oh, yeah, it really was not a win-win. It really was not uh, profitable. It really did not uh, produce the results I want. Not taken to consider 
through consideration what God wants, you see. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's the kind of thinking that has to happen, that has to change in each and every one of you and me if we are to be the people of God that will glorify him. It will be a joy. It will be a joy. It will be a joy like that described in Luke 15.10. Luke 15.10. Where it reads, these are the words of our Lord. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I have a witnessing friend who always says, the angels of God must turn somersaults when one sinner comes to Christ. <laughs> and, I picture, and I look up immediately, like every time, it's like I look up. I don't see that, but you know what? You're right. <laughs> because it's true. It's true. But if the angels do that, if our Father in heaven and our Lord Jesus are rejoicing over one sinner that repents, how about the sheep that is brought back to the fold? How about the one doing the repentance? Of course. Of course. Of course. Look at Luke 15, 19, and 20, further down, in which we see the example of the lost son at first the lost sheep, and then the lost coin or silver, and then the lost son. Three-part parable, three-part sermon. And what does the lost son say when he comes to realize that he's lost? That's what we hope for, right? In, in, in our uh, wayward youth, in our lost children. We have some that I even prayed for today. In my mind, I was thinking about a couple of covenant youth that were active in their church but are no longer. And there are those even with us in the past that are no longer walking the walk. They may be talking the talk, but they're not, at least they're not doing that. They're not walking the walk. Well, so was the prodigal who, when he came to repentance, said, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He was rehearsing what he was going to say to his father before he, he actually arrived at the gate and at the door. His dad was on the porch there waiting for him to come back. Can you imagine that? Do you think parents do that? Do you think there are parents that actually pray for their children every day? <laughs> like what we read about? Like in our story of John Patton? Oh, you know what? Until you become a parent, you, you really don't really believe that. But when you become a parent, oh my, praise God. <laughs> and it's not just praying moms. It's praying dads. Praying family. A family that prays together stays together. <laughs> That's what I say. And this young man, this young man who knew the truth, who knew the gospel, who had been taught right, but who went wrong, came to himself, it says, 
and said, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me a slave like the others, so at least I'll have food in my stomach and maybe a roof over my head. Because I know that my dad's slaves are all well taken care of. And then it goes on, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And do you think he stopped doing that? Did he only did it one time and say, okay, son, you're back home? No. He was overwhelmed with love for him. And the lesson behind this, the lesson that, that, that Christ was conveying to the Jews is that they needed to be the same way too with regard to the lost. They needed to be the same way as our Father in Heaven is toward all of us. Wayward children of God. Have you experienced this from your Heavenly Father? I'll tell you, either you have or you haven't yet. But if you have, I tell you, you cannot have enough. You cannot live one day without wanting the smile of, 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 of him, of wanting a smi the smile of heaven on your life. You, your life would be utter misery. You would wish yourself dead, if God forbid that you, know, you, you wish yourself dead, but, but in comparison to being without his smile in your life, that's, this would be a living hell, if I can put it that way. I'm going to stop there. And, and do the last point next time, a covenant promise fulfilled, because that's a story in itself. But I'd like to say in, in, a, in application, in my application, that is, like all preachers, Peter had more to say. In fact, in verse 40, he did, uh, it did make that point. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. In other words, separate from the world to God. Check this out, uh, what Peter wrote in one of his letters in 2 Peter 3, 9. It's toward the end of his second epistle. He said the following. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, any of those that are yet to come into the kingdom of God that all should come to repentance. Meaning to say that God is very, very, very patient. But don't tempt him or test him by thinking, oh, God is patient and not repent and do the works of repentance. But that is why Jesus came. You remember Jesus says, that they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I'm come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Don't look at others. All of us are sick. All of us are in need of Dr. Jesus. Look at yourself in the mirror of God's word. Take care of first things first, yourself, and you can begin to take care meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, that God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And keep looking as you go 
looking unto Jesus. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, help us to apply your word, as this is really where the rubber meets the road, where you want us, where you want us to be, not where we are or where we want to be, but where you would have us to be. And that is always at the foot of the cross. Always, Lord, there at your side, always with you before us and behind us and all around us, walking with you and talking with you along life's narrow way. Lord, help us and bless us to this end that we may be a people of God that are, are going with you, that are, Lord, walking with you and serving you.